All right, uh, welcome back to the Diabolical Podcast. I'm Eric Kane. Uh, I'm here with the creators of The Dragon Prince, uh, one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Um, so uh, do you guys mind just introducing yourselves? Sure. I'm Aaron Ihaz, one of the co-creators of The Dragon Prince. And I'm Justin Richmond, the other co-creator of The Dragon Prince. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being on here, guys. Um, yeah, so we haven't talked in a while. I know we talked back kind of when this show first kicked off, maybe maybe around season two. I, I don't really remember, actually. Yeah, I think that's um, right. But yeah, um, but now there's, you know, there's three seasons out and it ended kind of on a on a, on a pretty big note, kind of a, almost like a like a mini finale, like series finale is, is what it felt like to me. Um, like it really wrapped up a lot of loose ends. And then I got this 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 nervous feeling that Netflix was going to cancel the show. Oh boy. Because you know, they do that a lot. And um, yeah. so I was pleased to hear that that was not the case. And there was something, actually it was kind of crazy because you guys got renewed through, what was it, season seven? We did. Yeah. Um, and by the way, like credit where credit is due, I think you wrote a terrific piece about the Dragon Prince that generated a lot of interest. And like, in particular, grabbed a lot of interest in some kind of mainstream channels that aren't necessarily animation or games focused. And, um, and uh, I don't know that, that was that very likely contributed to a fantastic spike of um, interest and energy around the show kind of right as season three was coming out that got us the energy to keep it going, to, to, to keep the saga going. So thank you well, for that's that. That's good. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's all true. So that's the important thing, but yeah, the, the, okay. uh, the, uh, the, 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 Dragon Prince. I mean, my, my kids love it. Uh, my girlfriend loves it. I love it. Uh, it just it it's a great it's a really great fantasy. It's it's a great character drama. I love I love that it's a it's a kids show, but it has complex characters and um, you know some of the some of the stuff you'd find in, in more grown up shows, I guess. But for for a, for a wider audience, I would say. But um, I wanted to ask a little bit about that renewal. Um, that 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 does seem kind of unique in the in the in the Netflix, really. Well, I guess in TV in general, was that kind of what what happened with that? How did that go down? I I mean I think it is pretty unique, um, which is to say, you know, even quite early in in our kind of relationship with Netflix, they were saying to us, hey. We know you have an ambition to tell this this big sprawling many season saga, um, but we kind of, we usually make a couple seasons of something, and that and a couple seasons of awesome is how we usually do things. And so, when they kind of initially came to us, they bought a limited order, which they eventually expanded a bit, and um, we were kind of always grappling with like we were saying, hey, we want to we want to tell this whole story, and they were saying, okay, but make sure that if we only make the seasons that we're committed to, that it's something awesome that we can all feel proud of, we can all feel good about. And so that's why ultimately the kind of decision point ended up being focused around the end of season three, where we knew um, there was a chance that that was it and that we would high five and and hug and move on. And that would be a little sad, um, and that, but that we knew we wanted it to feel whole and awesome. Um, but also we were, you know, we knew we were, Justin and I knew we were setting up something much longer. And so, you know, our hope and our, our faith was in kind of a growing audience and community that were, you know, finding the show and 
wanting more of this saga and asking for it and pushing for it. And I mean, I think a combination of factors came together. One is um, that engagement level and that interest. It wasn't just like we used to say, like it wasn't just eyeballs that they were getting with Dragon Prince fans, but they were getting heart balls. They were getting like <laughs> people's like much deeper commitment and engagement. And so, you know, you hope that that matters, that it's not just um, that a person watched but that they watched it and they connected to it and, and, and in, in an important way. So I think they, that Netflix saw that in the way people watched the series and the way they completed it and in, in kind of engagement patterns they saw. So that was a huge positive. There was, there was really, really kind, critical response, and that's important too. But then I think ultimately it was that there was a surge of interest and even growth in that audience and community as season three was coming out that made it, you know, something where Netflix was like, great, this is in everybody's interest to keep it going and, and tell this story and, and, um, and, and finish, finish it, or, or at least, uh, build it out. So I rambled, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's what podcasts are for. <laughs> Lots of rambling. That's cool. Um, how did, I, I guess, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, this past year, which has been crazy, how did that impact your guys' ability to work on the show and on all the other projects you have going on? Yeah, I mean, I think we got really lucky in a couple of ways. Um, one is that our CTO is brilliant and got us set up to work remotely like a week before COVID. Like literally, actually, the day that that everybody went home forever uh, or for a year or whatever <laughs> was actually going to be a take-home test for us. We were going to be like, okay, everybody load up your machine, take it home tonight. It was like a Thursday. And then tomorrow on Friday, we're going to try and work remotely and see what happens. And then like, we'll come back on Monday and we'll discuss what we're going to do. And we were like, at the end of the day, we were like, everybody take all your stuff home yeah. and we're just going to work. And we didn't come back on Monday. And we did not come on back. Yeah. We're, and now we're like a year and a half. So that helped a lot, you know, having, um, having just really smart technical people help us get set up uh, to work remotely as a company. Right. Um, and then, you know. It, it was actually kind of nice because our writers room um, adapted really quickly to sort of working on zoom. And like, there are definitely pieces of the process that suck more. Like <laughs> there are definitely like certain kinds of parts of the process that are not as much fun, but like overall, you know, I, I have to, you know, give props to our team for really trying to make it work and, and be upbeat and, you know, it sucked for everybody and there was lots going on and, you know, the world was a mess and, um, and the team really made it work. And uh, I think we did a couple things as a company to try and, get that going when like what we like instead of like we usually we always do a stand up on Monday morning where like everybody kind of gets together and like talks about like what are we doing this week and it's very business and like this is what's happening and we added this I think it was Aaron who came up with this idea it was like let's do a Friday meeting which is like the opposite of that it's like feelings and talking about fast food and like just trying to feel normal <laughs> again right to replace some of that uh some of that energy you know and like yeah um and that was amazing and I think people really did did, did get into that um but in terms of working on the show we were lucky enough that we were in a writing phase and so we were not having to like do daily drops and all this kind of stuff which is stuff we're doing now and um you know by by the time we got to that stage the world had already adapted so like what is it working you know everybody's been working from home for a long time and so I think it was much easier for us to like just ease into like okay well we're doing our reviews online as opposed to you know in a room somewhere yeah well, that's good. Um, yeah, because yeah. I know, I know it's, I know it's been a struggle for a lot of companies and a lot of, especially in you know, the, the entertainment business where a lot of you know in person stuff is required. But of course, with animation and, and whatnot, I don't know. Um, uh, so oh, yeah, yeah. No, by the way, like we got super lucky and we know it. Like yeah. animation and video games 
Yeah. We were definitely, for all the impact that the pandemic had on a lot of people and companies, being in our neck of the industry has been a lucky place to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I've, I've, I've seen, you know, since, since uh, we last spoke, a lot of little pro- like spinoff projects have, have been taking place. There's a, the Tales of Zadia um, tabletop game. There's board game with uh, miniatures. And then there's the video game, which we haven't really heard a lot about. Um, how's all, how does all that come together? How do you guys get uh, involved in these projects and get other people involved? Because I know you're not, I don't, I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know how much involvement you have with like the tabletop game or whatever, but um, how does that, how does that all work? We, we have, well, we do have a lot of involvement, but part of the, the philosophy in building the Dragon Prince and Wonderstorm in general from the beginning has been, we want to build things that are, we're building them with visionary teams. And so what that means is that you're, you're inviting everyone sort of on the team into the process at a vision level to, to be pitching on the big picture, to be influencing the big picture, to be engaged with, you know, the saga at the highest level. And so that goes for the writing team um, at Wonderstorm. That also goes for game designers and artists and, um, and you just want people highly engaged. It's also gone for our partnerships, right? So when we work with fandom or Brotherwise or Scholastic for that matter, we we don't want to be like dictating to them, like here's the property and you're kind of licensing it and we want you to do this kind of thing. We want to say, hey, like we want to be in business with you if you love the Dragon Prince and you're excited about this world of Zadia and you want to help us build it out. And then if you have that excitement, then then we're partners and we're figuring this out together. And, um, and we, we, we try to have that feeling so that what you're doing is growing a creative team and growing a visionary creative team. So I don't know. Um, I'm not sure I'm answering your question exactly, but it's great, but basically that's the answer. So we're very selective about the people that we, we work with in terms of like these other products and these other things. And once we bring them in, like, you know, Justin and I and the other team members at Wonderstorm interact with them regularly, but also, you know, we kind of try to initiate people into like our way of building things and doing things. And, and, um, and the results have been pretty, pretty good. I think, um, everything feels very authentic and, and built from the same world and spirit that we intended. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I'd add is that because we, because we, we actually own, so one thing that's a little weird about Dragon Prince is we actually, the Waterstorm actually owns and controls the IP. We don't, we sort of effectively license it to Netflix. They don't own it. They can't, we get to control all of these side products how we want. And so all these things are actually kind of tied together. So like the Tales of Zadia game, the, the tabletop game that um, Dan and Cam and the team are working on have core stories that actually directly tie into the IP. Like there are, there are pieces of things that are happening there that are like de- like directly tied into the show or like side stories that like might maybe you didn't see that in the show but like oh that's where that person went stuff like that so we just have a lot more leeway because we don't have to go to anybody else and be like oh can we do that you know it's it's, it's just really really nice sort of the dragon prince extended universe yeah yeah, the xcu that's right (laughs) (laughs) nice um and the video game what's the what's the status there what's going on in the video Um, game we are blasting away i was literally working on a a review like five seconds before i got on this podcast um so we have an amazing team Uh, we've been able to hire just a, a really great team of people some of them you'll 
get to see on the on the um, at Comic Con or, or have seen at Comic Con. I guess whenever this comes out. Um, <laughs> but um, we're we're really working hard. We've got a you know a really top notch team, like I said. But you know we actually we we're going to announce a lot more about this coming up. Unfortunately, we have, there's some stuff that we can't say yet. Um, but you know I'm I'm super excited. I, I can't I can't wait for people to actually find out what we're doing. You know it's been we've been working on this since basically day one, right? Like. The whole premise of Wonderstorm is to make a game and a show at the same time. Like it's not licensed. We're not sending this out or giving it to another group. Like we've hired a bunch of AAA developers to come in house and make a video game studio. And so that's what we are now. It's like, and the craziest thing since the pandemic is like we started. We started the pandemic with like twenty three people, I think, and we're like at fifty now. So like we've hired more people in the last year and a half to work on this thing than than almost any time else in the company. Right, there's more people at Wonderstorm who we've never met yes. than actually that we in person. <laughs> yes, that's but, right. But yeah, to Justin's point, it's not like we've hired a group of AAA developers. Like Wonderstorm is, and I'm gonna, I'm not sure if it's comprised or composed. Now I wish I could get my English <laughs> teacher on the phone, but but it's we're the company is more than 90% game developers and experienced game developers. So even the people working on the show, like I think our entire team were people who had come from game studios before, right? Who were writers and, and artists and people who had, had previously worked in game development. So from the beginning, the DNA has been that Wonderstorm's a game studio. Huh. It's so interesting, especially since, you know, you have, have three seasons of TV already out there. Um, that's such a, it's just, I, I can't think of another company that's really, that's really done that before. Like that's, that's both making it, you know, a TV studio it's, and a game studio all at the same time from the beginning. It's weird. They called us crazy back then, <laughs> but we're, we're doing it. Actually, it's true. Like you'd, a, it was the, the dream to do this and to build the Dragon Prince as both a game and a show um, is one that when we went to investors who more normally invested in games, they tended to go like, cool, you have an impressive game team, but why would you do TV? It seems like TV is not very profitable. And you're like, correct. It doesn't make really any profit at all. There's actually zero margin. Um, And then you'd go to more traditional entertainment investors and they'd be like, well, this whole game thing seems to make a ton of money, but it's really mysterious to us which ones, you know, fail and explode and which ones become billion dollar mega hits. And that scares us. Whereas, you know, you, you know, they got TV more. So it was very hard to kind of find a combination of investors and partners that got the vision of building both at once and how, you know, the people who love, kind of certain kinds of stories and certain kinds of games would love to have an authentic experience that exists in both at the same time, where one is not derivative of the other, but that they're both built to be the authentic experience. So that's, that's the challenge. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's an interesting, you know, just from, from the outside thinking about it, there's, there's a lot of questions, of course, like how closely do the stories between the game and the TV show align? Like, I know it's the same world, but like in a, in a video game, of course, there's player agency and stories don't, aren't simply owned by the developer. A lot of the time, there's always some sort of element of, of the player agency. And that changes the nature of a story from between a, you know, video game and a TV show. So how does that, you know, how does that jibe? How does that line up? How do you, how do you make those two things work hand in hand? 
That's, that's a really good question. I mean, I think for me, uh, you know, having worked in like at Naughty Dog and, and on like stuff that's like highly narrative driven, right? And then at Riot where it's, you know, there is narrative, but it, you know, it's more of a different, it's very different, right? It's a lot about player agency and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, the, the, what we're trying to do is like tell amazing stories that should be told in a linear format, in a linear format and not try to shoot that horn that into a video game. Uh, you know, we're trying to make a, a video game that, you know, without giving too much away, like is like very heavily invested into player agency and, and into, you know, people having a good time, giving people the tools to have a good time and play in our world and experience our world, but not be like totally beholden to like the actual like core set of rules. The rules will be very similar, but like Rayla and Viren might have an adventure <laughs> in our game and that's okay, right? Like it's, it's okay that that's happening as opposed to, you know, kind of really locking in and going like, okay, well, if we're going to make a video game that's, you know, much more like a Naughty Dog game, we would try to like, like really nail down like what that narrative is and all that kind of stuff. And that's not, that's not sort of the genre that we're playing in. Um, and so we think that there's room for both where people can come in, you know, they watch the TV show, they cry, they laugh, you know, all the things hopefully. And then in the, in the game, we kind of, Aaron always said, you know, when we first started the company, he's always saying like, it's, it's our turn and their turns. Like our turn is to tell the story, right? We're telling you the story. Your turn is to come experience our world and play in it, right? Like come in, have a great time, do stuff that you think is cool, you know, things like that. And so that's sort of the, the place we are headed in, in with our gameplay and, and, and with the game. I also just want to add to that, that like you mentioned, like it's Rayla and, and Viren could, could do something together or whatever, but it's also, you know, the other aspect I think of the game is it really does go beyond the show. The show, we always talk about when we're doing an episode, it's like 22 minutes is not a lot of real estate, right? Or however long each episode is. And you get through the season and you do as much as you can and you explore as much of Zadia and you, and you dive into this saga. Unfortunately, again, we've been given, we've been given a lot of real estate as shows go, but that said, there's so much more we want to build out. And so there are, there are many parts of the world. There are many parts of kind of the lore and, and deeper legends um, and there are many characters and and heroes and um, and villains that are that are not in the show or not in the show yet. So, so I think the the fun of the game ultimately will be um, partially experiencing the stuff you love and that you're familiar with, but also diving into aspects that are like equally as authentic and canonical as the saga you've seen so far but you're finding it on your own. You're moving into it on your own and you're, you're getting deeper on your own. Um, and some of that stuff will come back around, right? You'll experience the game and then you'll be like, oh my gosh, it's in the next season. Oh my God, that character or whatever it is. We want them to interweave a bit, um, but we definitely want, you know, the kind of the game to, to be the awesomeness of the show, but the, also the awesomeness of itself separate from the show, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much sense as it can before I've actually played it. So I right, I was going to say, yeah. The, <laughs> and then I, I have to wonder, what am I, what's going to come out first, the game or season four? But I, I'm sure you guys can't say that, but it, <laughs> unless you're saying it at Comic-Con. We can't, in really. Case. Unfortunately, we can't say that. But um, <laughs> let's just put it this way. We are actively working on both things very, very hard. <laughs> yeah, and part of it is that we don't know for sure because we we do not have a date yet um, with Netflix, and so when we say that, like it's it's just we don't have that date, and so we don't know for sure. And 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 to be fair, I think I think we can say like 
they're not too far apart, so that's why it's also hard to say which would come first. Yeah, that's right. That's good news, though. Not too far apart. Um, so, what? Are, tell me a little bit about um, this Comic Con. I, I guess you're you're doing several panels, and I know this is kind of strange because this is posting after Comic Con. So, uh, but you know, uh, what what uh, what's what's this Comic Con look like for for the Dragon Prince? It, you know, it was funny. Like, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Aaron, you could. Like, we had a really good time, right? Obviously, I, so people hope like, oh, here I'm going to say it. Spoiler: Don't listen to this. Here's your chance. Hit pause. Go watch the Comic Con thing wherever it is on YouTube or whatever, or the <laughs> Comic Con app, and then come back and listen to this so we can actually talk about it. So there, there's your spoiler alert. Um, so uh, it was a blast. Like I think getting to have you know we kind of did a bunch of mini panels you know on Zoom, and so we got to have like people from the game and people from like, like oh, the person who runs our like, or helps us run our merchandising business and like all those kinds of things kind of showing up on the panel and getting to talk about stuff. I thought that was awesome. Like it always, I always hate that. Like when you go to a Comic-Con, it's really fun to interact with the fans. And like, we have a few people that get on the panel, but like, this was like, cool. You have exposure to like 10 or 15 people from Wonderstorm, not, you know, two, you know, not me and Aaron or not me and the writers or not Aaron and the writer, you know, it's more like a big broad spectrum of people from the, sh- from the whole company. I think that was awesome, you know, and, and being able to like give that to back to the fans and have them actually kind of see other people that get to do stuff in our studio. I think that was, that was really great. Um, and then I, I just really liked the last thing we did in it where we kind of legitimately read basically out of context cards from episodes of the season. I just, that was really, really fun. <laughs> nice. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, looking forward at season four, uh, and and I guess backwards a little. Season three ended with you know an epic battle and kind of uh, some some resolution, some cliffhangers. Uh, what are you excited about for for season four? And you know what's coming next? And and kind of I, I'm assuming there's going to be some pretty big sort of shifts because uh, there was such a you know there was such a, a, f- a final note to that season, um, rounding out kind of maybe like the first act of the, a larger story. So this is the this is the realm of like what are we looking uh, forward to, but also without spoiling anything. Right, um, yeah, I know it's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, there are new characters, some new characters who I'm really really excited about. Um, there are there are some changes that have occurred between seasons, some of which I think are alluded to um, in uh, the graphic novel that came out through the moon. Um, which you don't need to read to understand the season, but when you start the season, the changes will have taken place, and and so and that'll be part of the storytelling. And um, so, you know, I'm excited to see the characters grapple with those changes. I'm being so vague; it's horrible. It's okay. Um, I get it. <laughs> but it's good to see everyone. I think what is hard to realize is how much everyone grew and changed during those three seasons. And so as we were writing season four in particular, like the, the fullness of the characters that we were writing for was really evident. I think that felt really good. So, um, you know, I hope that people who have fallen in love with these characters, you know, will, will, will feel it too. We'll feel like, oh, these characters are more themselves than they've ever been. Um, also, obviously, the sort of twist ending of season three is a big deal and sort of seeing that play out and what that means that um, 
you know, that Viren and Claudia went through the experience that they went through, uh, I think is really interesting. The, the aftermath of that is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people, I, I know I, I'm, I'm in a Facebook group with a Dragon Prince fan group and people are very, they're very, very passionate about these characters and there's a lot of great fan art. There's a lot of great, um, Oh, there's so much great art. Yeah. yeah. And just, uh, you know, so many, it's just interesting to see all the posts where, where people are speculating and theorizing and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of mystery still from the first three seasons that, that has yet to be answered and fleshed out. Um, there is a lot of mystery. I agree. And I think that sense of mystery is, is something that's going to be rewarded in the coming seasons in particular. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it gets more Dragon Princey and more like we're, we're really proud of this and we're, we feel we've seen the like the team and, and, the, and the broader animation team. So when I say the team, I mean over 200 people respond to the new stories and the new scripts um, really wonderfully. So we, that's, that gives us a good indicator that we're, we're going in a good direction and that there's something very exciting and compelling happening in the coming seasons. Um, I don't know. We, I, Justin and I have moments all the time where we're working in the morning on a story and we'll go, wow, years from now, we're going to work, look back on this as just like one of the, just the luckiest creative moment of our lives. Like to be building this saga with this amazing team. And, and as you said, like you're with, with these, with such a huge group of people who are passionate about it at such a, um, in such a, the right way about the characters and the details and all those things where you can be creative and engage in that and know that it's going to be experienced deeply. And, and I don't know, it, it's very exciting. And, and I, I think it's going to be, um, I, I think people are going to love it. I don't know. I think it's going to be good. I think it's, there's going to be some stuff that's going to torture them and make them make folks sad, but that's always the dragon prince way. So Here's a question. Dragons, baby dragons. What what kind of like, how long does it take? Because the other really cute character other than Zim in TV right now is baby Yoda, you know? And <laughs> we know it takes baby Yoda a long time to grow up. Yeah. But Man, that really you? let us off the hook with yeah. Zim, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it sure did. Those are like the like, two cutest characters on season TV. season four and have Zim go, hi, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, yeah. How long does it take a, a dragon to grow up? Like these dragons I mean, are think, old, right? They, like, I yeah. think many. It's not like I think decades. I think yeah. they grew up so fast in Game of Thrones. I don't think it's. Oh yeah, right. I think it's much slower. I think it's decades. They grew up so fast and they died off so quick in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have more of them, fortunately. So um, yes, yeah. and more colorful ones. Yes, and more that's variety. Right. That's right. The, you know the. Uh, not to, to to talk crap about Game of Thrones, but those were sort of joyless dragons. I don't know. I feel like they that they they just didn't have they didn't really. I mean, they were good special effects, but I feel like the dragons could have had more more of that something something. I don't know character. I mean, look if if Benioff and Weiss had asked us for anything on this, like an, as an example, like. Like Zim, when we're writing for Zim, a dragon, a character who is a dragon, you very often find a moment for something like 
zappy kisses. Maybe these dragons <laughs> could have found their own types of kisses, kisses that they were yeah. going to give. Yeah. I don't know what what kisses the Drake Game of Thrones dragons would have given, but you know something. <laughs> it's you know it's funny. I, I suspect they were up against the wall in that where they had to be. They had this limitation where they had to be super fierce and they had to be like somewhat reasonable and they knew that they were going to die. Like, I think, yeah, it's a hard, that's a really hard place to be, right? Like someone else had told them, like, I think, you know, from what I've heard, like they had, they knew the end. And so it was like, they got to end up here. You know, that's a hard place to be no matter what. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for those guys because, you know, Martin is a great writer, but man, is he a slow writer. I (laughs) I mean... I, I keep, you know, every few years I write another article about how we're still waiting for those books because I think I started those, I started reading Game of Thrones before I went to college and now like several presidents, a few wars and, uh, you know, a global pandemic later, we're still waiting. So I don't know, getting, getting caught with a, with a show, uh, and you know, an adaptation for a show where you're working off source material and then suddenly it just, it ends. That, that's something at least you guys don't ever have to worry about. No, we just have to worry about that. We just stop making stuff that's any good that we think of. Well, sure. <laughs> true. <laughs> Everyone has to worry about that if you're doing yeah, anything true. that requires creativity. But, but at least you guys have your own. I mean, it must be kind of nice in, to, to control your own IP, to have. I mean, yeah, there's like there's there's extra risk and whatnot, but it must be kind of cool to have that independence. I literally, we were, finishing a script, we were finishing the script today and uh, Aaron was like, you know, in like 10 years, we're going to be working on something that we're going to have to send into like a studio and they're going to have to give us notes or whatever. And like, we're going to long for the day when we could just be like, yeah, the script is done. Like no one, no one can tell us it's not, you know, and, and you know, that's definitely going to happen, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because you guys both worked on, you know, on other projects in the past. And I mean, I guess, is this the, is this the first time you've kind of had that, this level of creative control? Or- I think. As a technicality, yes, which is to say, like, in this case, we are, we founded Wonderstorm, so we own the studio. And of course, you always have to, like, our, you know, Netflix has the final say. They're, it's either going to go on Netflix or it's not. So sure. th- they have final say. But yeah, as a studio, we get to say when the script is done and when we're ready. Um, I would say on Avatar, it was comparable, but more out of, like, the what Nickelode- Nickelodeon had set up, which was a very creator-driven, very... Like um, the executives there had had taken a very strong posture of we will support what you are trying to make, whatever that is. And so it did create that kind of freedom and ability to make final decisions. And, and to some degree, that's what we borrowed trying to create Wonderstorm was the philosophy that I experienced, you know, 15 or 20 years, however long ago it was now at, at Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Naughty Dog was was similar, I think, to, to what we have here. I mean, very different studio, but um, you know, I'll never forget it. The first, I don't know, one of the first days when I was directing on Uncharted, and I went into Evan's office. Evan Wells, president of the company, and really smart. He's actually like one of the best game designers on the planet. Like, I, I wish that guy still got to actually game design. He's so good. And I went in for advice on something, and he's like, "Well, what do you think?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know. I like, I think this." He's like, "That's what we're doing." I'm like, "You would." He would back me up a million percent on anything or me or Amy or, or, or Rob or any of the team. Like if we had an idea and we wanted to do it and it was expensive and hard or like crazy and hard or whatever. He was like, man, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stop Sony from messing with you guys. If I need to, like you go, you make the thing. And like, he was very, very good at, or him and Christoph were both very good at sort of like saying, 
you guys have the vision, make it happen. We'll worry about the money and we'll worry about the other stuff. And if it gets totally out of hand, we'll come talk to you. And, uh, and so I think that was, that was a, a similar situation to this, um, a little different, like with a huge corporate, you know, sort of master, but they, they kind of stayed out of our way. It was really nice. Yeah. That's cool. I guess that kind of, yeah, that would feed into how you guys approach things now, uh, running this. Speaking of Avatar, so. or, or sorry, go, uh, no, no, I, I was just saying, I think so. I mean, I think like Aaron said, like it's, it was one of, it was one of, you know, one of the hardest things I ever did, but also like one of the most rewarding and then like best experiences too. So like, I definitely think that gets into your bones at some point and you're like, oh man, that, that was great. <laughs> How yeah. do I do that again? Well, the Uncharted games are so great. I mean, not I can't disagree. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Avatar way, got a big season, boost. Season, season four is a lot of references to. That's true. Season four does have some, some, uh, a lot of fun some Uncharted stuff in it. That's true. Oh yeah? Is there lots of climbing? Oh <laughs> uh, like, I don't want to say anything. You, you'll see. You'll see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. Dragon Prince as a uh, treasure hunting adventure. Totally. I could see it. Um, so I was just going to say Avatar, you know, that was pretty cool to see on Netflix when it, when it landed and just got a huge new influx of, of new fans and attention. And it was just like the biggest, yeah. biggest thing ever for a bit. Almost like a new yeah, that was no joke. life. Yeah, it was crazy. Fifteen year old fifteen year old cartoon was the number one show on Netflix for I think longer than any other show in twenty twenty. Yeah. It number was wild. one show on Netflix. Fifteen year old cartoon. That's pretty crazy. That's <laughs> that's, crazy. that's pretty crazy. So anyway, I I was definitely proud of that. I was definitely excited about it. Um, you would you would hope that maybe some networks would be like, Yeah, we should we should make more things like this. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that happens because we're not sure if that has happened. But yes, Avatar crushed it during the summer. And, yeah. Then, yeah. and none of those networks like, would ever buy Avatar yeah. ever again. They just wouldn't. Yeah. My kids watch it like the time. Yeah. Well, I know we were excited to find Dragon Prince because uh, I know that like I was Googling you know, before Dragon Prince came out, I was Googling like shows that are like Avatar The Last Airbender. Because I'm like, I need to find cartoons and, and shows I can watch with my kids that I also like. Because that doesn't always line up. And of course, they were a lot younger back then. But um, and it's funny, of course, then Korra came to Netflix. And then there's the great Korra versus Avatar debate that I never even knew existed within the fandom until I met, until one of my, one of our family friends, their daughter, tried to argue with me that Korra was terrible compared to Avatar. And I was arguing with her about how I liked both of them. And then she revealed to me that she had never even watched Korra, that this was all <laughs> stuff she was getting from YouTube. And I was like, okay, no, no, no. You know, you had me for a second. You seemed pretty smart, but now you're telling me you didn't even watch it. But uh, <laughs> I, I think um, Janet Varney is doing a podcast right now, right? Didn't, didn't she just start something up to talk about Avatar, I think? I don't know. I think, yeah, I thought I saw yeah. something like that. Anyway, cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, there aren't enough shows like Avatar, like The Dragon Prince. I mean, there are some other cool uh, cool shows, like younger uh, audience shows on Netflix. Like, I really did enjoy um, the new Dark Crystal show. Did you guys check that out? Yeah, it was great. It was pretty wild, huh? It was really fun. It's too bad um, to get another, yeah, it should have gotten another yeah. season. <laughs> I know. I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it was a fortune to make that. Though. I was gonna say um, it looked very expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine making all those amazing puppets or muppets or whatever. But uh, yeah, super expensive. 
Um, well, cool. Uh, I don't want to keep you guys too long. We can do kind of a shorter podcast here, and then maybe we can do a follow-up one when the game and the, and the next season are, you know, have some actual footage or, or you know, hands-on yeah. or whatever. Anytime, man. Anytime. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Because I really, you know, yeah. I look forward to actually – I have the, the – the Tales of Zadia playtest, which I keep meaning to actually try out, but it's been it's been difficult to. Cool. There's uh, another one coming together, too. But, so another yeah. playtest coming. So. Oh, nice, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it cool. seems like an interesting game system. I love I love tabletop games, and um, I think I love the concepts behind them, like how they work, almost more than playing them. But <laughs> Cortex is but, a really uh, interesting system. I mean, one it of the reasons seems like it. so much. Yeah, it's like it's got a lot of story, like very heavy emphasis on storytelling and like getting yeah. the players to like get out of just like kill everything mode, you know? And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. As fun as killing everything is, it wouldn't really yeah. fit the, the, the vibe of the dragon. <laughs> it's, really it's not really a kill everything show. Yeah. Um, kill, well, kill great. 30% of things. Yeah. 30% <laughs> of things just, yeah. and, 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 and then hopefully maybe, you know, try to get redemption and, <laughs> and, uh, character development in there also. Um, well, awesome. I, I uh, wish you guys the best of luck and thank you for taking your time to do this. And yeah, I hope we can talk soon. As awesome. There's, awesome. Thank there's you so much. More news soon. Yeah, totally. We so really, guys, well, yeah, we really appreciate, you know, everything you've said about the show and that you're such a big fan. So thank you so much. Yeah, well, it's true. So um, yeah, and everybody listening to this or watching this, definitely check out The Dragon Prince on Netflix. Uh, there's three seasons, and they they do form kind of not. A, I'm not going to say a complete arc, but it is sort of like a beginning, middle, and end within those three seasons, uh, with a lot of really great character uh, development, really really strong character arcs. And I think if you like character driven fantasy, it's something to definitely check out. So give that a give that a watch. Cool. Right, take care, guys. Thanks. Thanks.